the pastor's cut podcast for the week of april 16th 2023 and the intro was different this week brad what did you beautiful what'd you do i snuck a little piano in there a little piano in there just a little tickle it's a baby grand not a full grand just a little baby grand grand. (laughs) are you going to are you turning into a southern person marissa i i comes out every once in a while okay all right (laughs) well brad thank you that was she's from southern oregon yeah yeah yeah. That was unexpected and undeserved on our part. Thank you, Bradley. Well, that's the least I could do, honestly. It's really, really the very <laughs> least. Well, welcome to our Pastor's Cut podcast. Hey, guess what, guys? We're starting the Beatles today. Woo! Yay! Uh, right before we came on the air, I said, let's all be kind of punny and, you know, just kind of start rattling off titles. And and uh, so Dave and I really got into it, but, but Marissa was just cringing Mm-mm. over here. Yeah. Apparently Sorry. it went south in a hurry. It, yeah. <laughs> it really did. So she didn't enjoy it very much, but hey, we're here. So let's let's do this. Um, let's talk about your favorite Beatles song. If you had one Beatles song, you said was your absolute favorite, and then Dave's got a great story I want to want to share here in just a minute. But for me, um, I mean, I like their later stuff better. It probably would be a toss up between um, "Let It Be" and "Revolution," both of which will be highlighted in this series. But I like I like the meaning of "Let It Be." Uh, a lot of wisdom there, but I also like the edginess of Revolution. That's was it's just one of my favorite songs to rock out to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love uh, Rubber Soul and Revolver are my two favorite albums because yeah. it's that transition to them having more creative freedom and and kind of coming into their own with a, maybe a little bit of acid assistance. A little bit, but of <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like you know, on Rubber Soul, you start seeing things like Norwegian Wood and Girl and just this experimentalist. Uh, experimenting especially with a girl where it's like the breathiness it's like this is no longer music for uh you know the lowest common denominator it's it's creative it's that influence of pet sounds it's it's yeah. really great i say the let it be album is my least favorite really yeah yeah i think that they they were no longer unified as a band that's true and, and it was, uh, you know, four different artists instead of the the unity and the harmony of the band together. Now, now there is a re-release of Let It Be. What they did is they stripped out everything that wasn't acoustic, or, or that they left in only what was acoustic. Mm-hmm. There was no uh, post-engineering. It was called Let It Be dot 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 naked. So uh-huh. it was stripped down, and it's you hear their harmonies a little bit better, yeah. which I really enjoy. Yeah, enjoy yeah, it's that. great. Yeah. Have you watched the documentary yet? On I Let have it not. Be? I need to. You do. Yeah, okay. it's great. It's great. Is, is it on what what streaming service? I think is that Apple on? Plus. Is that right, Dave? Do you know? No. Nah. Anyway, know. Apple Plus. Look it up. Uh, I will. Okay. <laughs> so so of the three of us, Marissa is probably the most educated. You know, I just like music, but Marissa went through her Beatles phase. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so she kind of took us to school as we uh, began to research this teaching series. So it was pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, so Dave, if only I knew my Bible as well as Marissa knew her Beatles. If only I knew my uh, Bible as there well. You go. <laughs> so yeah. what's your favorite song? Yeah. And then tell the story about your daughter last night. That's so pretty good. I, I like several Beatles songs. It's hard for me to narrow down one. I. I I, I like the just the electric guitar run on Day Tripper. I I like um, some of the the creative juices that that are melding different instruments and different styles in Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Yep. Uh, plus the harmonies are just really really tight on, the, on that. 
there are voices that were just made to go together. Mm-hmm. Yes. And especially John and Paul just had it. As I will say, Glenn Fry and Don Henley, I look at that their voices were just created to go together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love how behind the scenes they would intentionally tune their guitars not to be in sync with each other to create artificial chorus. Very good. I did it's not a, know that. Actually, <laughs> really cool. Yeah, so so yeah. being so being a little bit out of tune with one another sparks a little creativity. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah they were amazing yeah. instrumentalists. They're really great musicians, yeah, especially, were. you know, um, Ringo gets maligned a lot, but nope. But even he he's is good. just like, man, he's a very good drummer. Yeah. And and Paul still has it. I mean, when he came into concert, and we will get to the Bible here eventually, but uh, <laughs> when, when Paul came uh, to the BOK, what, maybe five years ago, I mean, he did a three hour show. Yeah. And he's, mm. he's no slouch. Yeah. I mean, he's got a lot of energy. So share what happened with your daughter uh, last night. So, not last night, a week ago, we're coming home from church Wednesday night, last week, Wednesday night. Um, she was carrying in her hand the invitation to the gospel according to the Beatles and said, who are the Beatles? Mm. I thought, oh no, parent fail. I must not have shared <laughs> the Beatles time. with them yet. <laughs> it's time. So, hey, Addie, while we're driving home, have you ever heard the Beatles? No, I haven't. Well, let's play a couple of songs. So what's the first one that we're going to be doing? We are going to be doing, and so we walked through the, the love song. And so as we're, as we're playing, as we're playing it, She's like, I don't like this song. I just don't like it. I don't like it. There's something about it. And so it makes me angry. I tried to peel that back to understand what it was. Mm-hmm. She really didn't like the instrumentation. And then I played the second song on the list. And I think Lonely People was, was on the list with someone. Uh, let's that. see, uh, Yesterday. Yesterday. She really liked Yesterday because it was simpler. It was more acoustic. It was more normal pop music for her. It was easier to swallow. Yeah, and and it might some songs it may be like coffee, you know, you just yeah. kind of need to learn, you need to acquire a taste yeah. for it. So be patient with her. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get there. We'll okay. get her to to appreciate all you need is love. <laughs> so I want to talk about the series in general, and we're going to jump into uh, all you need is love, which uh, I think is one of the the signature songs of the Beatles. But uh, here, here's why we're doing this. I did this teaching series back in 2007, and Jesus makes this command that any teacher of the kingdom will bring out new things as well as old. And I, I used to think, boy, I just, I've got to always come up with new material. And I, and I do. I want to be creative. I always want to be, I don't want to be leaning into the past. I want to be leaning forward. Uh, but over the years, so many people have, have commented that they remember that series, memorable, uh, that they enjoyed it. It was just fun. It was something different. So I thought, you know, I've never brought back an old teaching series before, but this would be one to, to do, and I probably won't do it again. So it's, <laughs> this, is a, this is a two and done, right? Uh, so we're, we're just going to have some fun with this. Um, and uh, let me reflect back one more time on the first time we did this. Now, remember, this was 2007. Mm-hmm. It was a different world in 2007. The iPhone had just come out, right? So how old were you, Marissa, in 2007? Uh, I was 26. You're 26. Dave, mm-hmm. how old were you? Depending on where it was, um, 26 <laughs> or 27. Okay. Probably was, 27. Yeah, I was 37. So totally different world. But there was a, a, an online, um, uh, there's a website called alitleleven.com. I don't know if they're still up. I, but I, I found in my old notes this clipping from this, um, this website. It's called the Museum of Idolatry. And they took it upon themselves to critique anything creative that any church would ever do. Mm. So they found out about the gospel according to the Beatles. I don't know how, but let me read this. The pastor at First Baptist Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma, decided that for the next few weeks he's going to preach the gospel according to the Beatles. Um, And he quotes here Galatians chapter 1, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting him who called you 
in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. <laughs> Boy, they just nailed me against the wall. Let's be honest. Who cares what the Beatles say about the gospel? Most likely, the pastor's going to play their songs and see what kind of spiritual message is behind it. This seems absolutely useless to me. The intent of these pastors, I'm lumped in with yeah. these pastors. Nice. Wow. Is for people to like them. They are people pleasers. Guilty as charged. I am. <laughs> the line of thinking in this is if we can get people to like us, then they will love our Jesus. So they take pot shots at Christianity for quick laughs, for their seeker services, and present an other gospel, and they prosper. The gospel, according to the Beatles, wow, it's just so wrong on so many levels. And you'd think that a Baptist church would know better. Well, I guess we don't. Mm, I like how you're getting ahead of it. It's like, I, listen, I'm getting ahead it's of already it. been said. It's whatever already been you're gonna said. Say. <laughs> don't worry about it. You know, let's do this. Let's have some fun the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Let's study the scripture and let's talk about it in a way that sticks, in mm. a way that's memorable. Mm-hmm. So, Brad, you sighed there a minute ago. Did you have something that you wanted to say? Mm-mm. No, 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 no. <laughs> he was just thinking about how much fun that guy sounds like at he, parties. He's, he's a blast. <laughs> yeah. He's a blast. Those wonderful heresy hunters. Yeah. <laughs> so all you need... I know him. I'm just saying. I is know you him. probably do. I, you probably yeah, do. I, or I know yeah. people like that. So. Yeah. Yeah. So don't be a legalist here. Even uh, you know, even Paul quoted pagan pro, right. uh, poets, um, philosophers. We, we can use some ideas in a way that sticks. And... Uh, so let's start with all you need is love. Marissa, I would enjoy it just for a second if you would give the backstory to this. And I, and I will on Sunday morning when I teach this, but there's just a very simple backstory about how this song came yeah. about. Yeah. So in June of 1967, there was this huge international satellite broadcast called Our World, and it connected 14 countries over five continents. And it said that there were 400 to 700 million viewers in the audience that night. So the Beatles were chosen by the BBC to represent Great Britain during this broadcast. And it was this uncharacteristic humility <laughs> by the Beatles that they really felt burdened by this honor. Like, what are what is the message that we're going to tell the world? What does the world, you know, there's so much political upheaval, social upheaval during the 60s. This was the, you know, the summer of love. Um, uh, what, what does the world need to hear that will possibly alleviate some of that pain? And they decided it's all you need is love. All problems can be boiled down to lack of love. Um, I love that they chose uh, La Marseillaise as the intro. Um, they kind dun, of chose dun, it. Dun, dun, yeah, dun, yeah. Dun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Allons enfants de la patrie. Yeah, you know, it's a... <laughs> I think that's the first time French has been yeah. used on our podcast. Let's, let's mark this as a historic moment. Yeah, la, gloire, uh, la jour de gloire est arrivée. Oh, wow. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but it's awesome. The day of glory has arrived. That's okay. the second line of the song. Sounds like... Um, okay. But yes, yeah, so it's the French national anthem, and they kind of chose it because it was free. It also um, shows up free. in the 1812 overture. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's also the same tattoo I have. Anyway, go ahead. Nice. Go ahead interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> La Madeleine right there. Yeah. It was a, <laughs> but it was a war song. It was a song that was meant to rouse the people to revolution. So it was this call to march against tyranny, and it's actually really, really violent. Um, but John used La Marseillaise as the intro to the song to show that this was a new revolution, that this was a revolution that would fight tyranny with love and quiet introspection and, and self-knowledge, um, spreading love instead of violence, that love is the answer. And it's really funny uh, that this was kind of um, ironic that it became Queen Elizabeth's favorite song. Mm. So a song that was meant to fight empire became the song of the empire. Yeah. There were several times when she used it, like during her Golden Jubilee, 
Um, but she loved this song. Well, it's kind of like Reagan loved uh, Bruce Springsteen's Born in the USA. Yeah, and Bruce know. Springsteen did not love that so no, much. No, he did you know, <laughs> And it, it, the message got twisted. So yeah. the Beatles weren't the first ones to come up with this idea of all you need is love. No. Nah. How about that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so in Matthew chapter 22, which is going to be our principal text, um, and, and as I teach this on Sunday, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop back a little bit and handle some of the passages beforehand because it's this grand adventure of missing the point, mm. you know. Religion is not about paying your taxes or not. It's not about, um, you know, what, what heaven's going to look like in detail. Um, Jesus says, here are the greatest commands. So just for a minute, let's play off this. What are some of the minor things that Christians sometimes twist off or twist, get ourselves all twisted. I'm not saying it very well, but we get all twisted up about these these minor minutia things, and we forget the centrality of love to our faith. There are too many. There's a lot of them. <laughs> you just mentioned one: tattoos. Yeah, we there get you all bent out of shape about silly tattoos. Yeah. And right. I just think about like things that my parents were very concerned about when I was growing up. And even for them, it's like not even on the radar anymore. Right. When mm-hmm. I got married in 2006, right before this series, um, there was no dancing at weddings. What? Uh, in our family. It's like, you do not dance now. So I got married at a time when we were still being strict about that. Three years later, like all my cousins are dancing at their weddings. Like, excuse me. That's right. So <laughs> so, so we got around that here because, um, you know, my kids got married here in the church. And so I, I can't help if dancing breaks out so yeah. it's one of those things it's a spontaneous well, well spirit-led dancing that's right well my daughter's <laughs> wedding I, when i saw him start dancing i kind of freaked out a little bit i was like oh my baptist instincts kicked in but then i looked out and the chairman of deacons was out there getting his boogie on yeah. so i'm like oh i'm golden i'm good yeah, yeah. and that's exactly how it was at the weddings like i would say oh no grandma's gonna what's grandma thinking and she was out there dancing it's like, yeah, there listen you, you guys so <laughs> dancing that's an old baptist trope right so so dave do you, do you have one top shelf for you oh goodness i'm how about the, how about of, speaking in tongues or not? That is definitely one hmm. that that a lot of people get bent out of shape about. And at the end of the day, people are, are followers of Jesus on both sides of that equation. But man, we like to fight about that for yeah. sure. Yeah, and it ebbs and flows. Like in the '90s, that was really at least for Baptists, people were thrown out of the church for having personal prayer language. That's how they kind of covered over it. But it's right. like how silly. Mm-hmm. And, and how contrary to, to love. I mean, when it comes to, to issues of dancing or tongues, and of course I beat this drum quite a bit, you know, our, our political leanings these days, I mean, it's all about, I mean, I've, I've heard both sides, if you vote for this person, you're sinning against God. Really? You know, stay informed, vote your conscience, respect the results. Uh, but you can be right about an issue, at least in your own mind, and be wrong in your heart because you're violating this great command of love. Right. Mm-hmm. So let's talk specifically about what Jesus says in, in this text. In fact, Marissa, would you read? Uh, this is a short, a short reading, but it's Matthew chapter 22, mm-hmm. um, verses 34, and I need to get better glasses through 40, 40? I think. That's Good. right, yeah. <laughs> Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with the question, Teacher, Which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Okay, so let's kind of set this up here a little bit. It seems that um, this religious leader was testing Jesus. So let's, let's explore that a little bit. What do you think was his 
agenda? What do you think was his bent on this? Why do you think this question now? Well, the Pharisees, their whole existence centered around following not only the 600-plus laws that are embedded in in the first five books of the Bible, in the Torah, they created a whole another set of laws, and a whole another 1,000, 1,100 laws in the Mishnah wrapped around that. Um, they thought that their own personal holiness would lead people back to Jesus. This is Holy Week. This is leading up to the cross, leading up to the moment where Jesus is about to die. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees are both trying to find a reason to, to get the crowds to turn against him. And so as they're, they're talking with Jesus, interacting with Jesus, they're looking for an aha moment where they can say, I gotcha, I gotcha there. And out of 1,700 laws, how can you pick one that's yeah. the important one? And so they thought, well, surely trap him with this one. This is an <laughs> easy one to get him. And they didn't do it. They didn't do it. So for the, the religious folks, then and today, it's, you know, we, we have all these laws, and we think it's going to lead us to love God more. But really, it's just the opposite that is true, mm-hmm. that fall in love with God first and all the laws and all the rules kind of take care of themselves. And it's, it's, sometimes it's going to be a little messy and confusing. We've got to grow through that. But let's, uh, it's a whole cart and or- horse, chicken and egg, and I can't think of a third <laughs> metaphor. So, so Marissa, what, what do you think about this? Yeah, the Pharisees were consumed, just like Dave said, with following law and tradition mm-hmm. and um, their attention to the observance of the law. I mean, if you have that many laws, that consumes your whole being. You don't have time to think about others or or the heart of the law. Um, so what they really needed to hear was the love your neighbor as yourself part, that they knew the love the Lord your God. I mean, that was the Shema. They recited it daily, more that, than that That daily. answer probably would not have surprised anybody right. that Jesus mm-hmm. said that. Right, it, but it was the coupling of love your neighbor as yourself. Um, and it's really beautiful the way that God or uh, Jesus uh, talks to people and tells them exactly what they need to hear. So the beginning of this chapter starts out with, you know, he already, you know, uh, took the Sadducees to school. <laughs> now the fa- Pharisees yes, come up. So the Pharisees, you know, just as they were consumed with following law and tradition, the Sadducees wanted to change Judaism to something more societally acceptable. Um, and um, so he was teaching the Pharisees when he talked to them about how um, the law of God was something that was internal rather than external. Um, and the the Sadducees, he was teaching, you know, God's ways are above the ways of man. So for the Sadducees, they probably needed to remember the Shema. And for the Pharisees, they really needed to hear that love your neighbor part. Yeah. Um, mm. And uh, and those things coupled together. Okay, that's that really good. I, I want you to repeat that a little bit because the different men of the Sadducees and Pharisees, please, please say that again. Sure. The the, the... And, and and do it right. <laughs> Oh, no, did I do it wrong? Okay, okay, okay. The Pharisees needed to be taught that uh, that the way of following God was internal, not external, and the Sadducees needed to understand that the ways of God were above the ways of man. Um, and those two things coupled together is a full understanding of the gospel message of, of the love of God. So, so if I were teaching this, I would, uh, uh, to go back to our earlier conversations, talk to your group about hey, what are some of the nitpicky things that we fight over and that we forget love? And, and listen to that discussion. Then uh, I, would, I would take these two commands and hold them in tension. Now, they're meant to act as a unity, but to say, like the Pharisees and Sadducees, which one do you need to hear a little bit more than the other? Do you need to hear the love for God? You love other people, but your love for the Lord's running dry, or vice versa. Mm-hmm. You love God but other people really get on your nerves a little bit too easily. <laughs> uh, and, and that's a great way of applying this, of, of which way 
do we need to read this and incorporate? Mm-hmm. And it's both and. Right. Okay. Marissa, you were going to say something else? Well, right? I was just going to say that, you know, a few weeks ago we talked about grace and truth, and that's something that we've been talking about as a staff a lot lately. Do we bend more towards grace or do we bend more towards truth? This is th- that dichotomy here that's exactly. Right. Yeah, it is. So let's talk about how we, and by the way, when I teach this, I'm going to focus on the love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'm going to focus on that word, all. (laughs) That's a small word with a big impact because I think we all have areas, well, we do. Our love for God is not yet complete, and it will never be complete. I believe we'll continue to grow in that in all eternity. If God is infinite, then we have the infinite possibility of, of loving and growing in our love for God. But, but let's talk a bit about love for other people, because that's really where the rubber meets the road, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, just for a little humorous aside, uh, you know, I've often defined love as love is to will and to work towards somebody's best interest. Boy, that just rolls off the tongue, <laughs> doesn't it? But it, it means I want and I'm willing to work towards somebody's best. It's mm-hmm. not a feeling. It's an intent. Uh, I, I ran across an old file, just so happens today, um, and this is one of those things that, uh, you know, kids say the darndest thing. Uh, what does love mean? And here's just a couple of responses on here. That when my grandmother got arthritis, she couldn't bend over and paint her toenails anymore. So my grandfather does it for her all the time, even when his hands got arthritis too. That's love. Hmm. That's just willing and working towards somebody's best interest. Here, here's what Carl says, age five. Love is when a girl puts on perfume and a boy puts on shaving cologne and they go out and smell each other. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. Okay, and one more. Um, this is Mark, age six. Love is when mommy sees daddy on the toilet and she doesn't think it's gross. It's still nice. gross. It's like complacency. I don't know. It's, 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 not, it's not love. It's complacency. It's, it's the love is him shutting the door. And... Yeah, 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 really, shut the door. Uh, so love is just willing and working towards somebody's best interest. Now, um, I've been dominating. What, what do you guys have, Dave? What are you thinking over here? Absolutely, yes. I mean, I, if I were teaching this, if I were approaching this passage of Scripture, I think one of the things I would ask about with with love your neighbor, demonstrating love to other people, is is thinking through why. Why, why is it important for us to do so? Um, maybe even when this series, Love the Lord Your God, Love Your Neighbor, comes up in Luke, Luke talks about it in conjunction with the parable of the Good Samaritan, and asks the question, why would we even love someone else? Ultimately, because God forgave us, because God gave us incredible new life in and through Jesus as God gave us new life, as God forgave us of our sins, we want to extend love to other people. Yeah. How, how can we not love even the most unlovable? If we understood our unlovability, yes, mm-hmm. we wouldn't be as picky with, with our brand of love. Right. Marissa? Yeah. Um, well, this song has been kind of criticized for being frivolous and sentimental and overly simple, um, even tone deaf at the time. Um, but when we think that love is sentimental or out of touch or not enough... It, that's love wrongly considered. We shouldn't abandon love, but understand it rightly. Um, St. Augustine said that love must be rightly ordered. Um, the St. Augustine's all over this song, whether the Beatles intended it or not. Yep. Um, but uh, the love that matters is the love of God and the love we share with, with God. Um, everything is under that umbrella. All ethics, all virtue, all morality is under the umbrella of love, if it's rightly considered. 
Um, and just like everything in our lives, the way we love should be compelling and it should point towards Christ. I just keep thinking about how um, the futility of the, um, of the world doesn't mean that it's evil necessarily, but that futility that Paul was talking about just says, man, they're missing the point. And the point of, the lo- of love is pointing to Jesus. Um, love can't be abstracted or separated from God. And if we do, you know, love for other things and other capacities, divorce from God might still be good, but it's missing something very yeah. beautiful. Um, I love uh, uh, Douglas Campbell's, one of my favorite uh, Pauline theologians. Um, and in one of his books, he says that there are, there are four ways from the story about Jesus that we see love playing out. Um, and uh, we see it in the incarnation and then in the cross that love involves giving, um, if necessary, giving of yourself. Uh, we see in the immediate journey to the cross that loving involves obedience and faithfulness. Uh, we see in what the cross uh, uh, and then the resurrection accomplishes that loving involves peacemaking, it involves reconciliation and healing and repairing. And we see when Jesus enters into this new resurrected heavenly life with God, that love is all about celebration and enjoyment and delighting. And this is the kind of love that'll change the world. This love that emulates Christ, that shows that we're rooted in love, we flourish in love, that love is the whole point of everything. That's right. And thank you for bringing up uh, Pauline theology or the theology of Paul uh, as a secondary text for this morning. If, if you want to teach this, you can, you can dip your toe into this. By the way, these two commands do go together. Jesus saw them as inseparable. If you try to love God without loving other people, um, that's hypocrisy. I mean, First John says if you, if you say you love God who you cannot see and you love your fellow humans who you can see, they're made in God's image, you're, you're a liar, right? You're, you're deceiving yourself. So love of God without love of people is, is hypocrisy or deception. But trying to love people without loving God, you're ultimately going to end up just drying up mm-hmm. because we, we need that resource of loving God flowing into our life before we can adequately love others. We're going to just burn out. But making it very practical, uh, I've put it as a, as a secondary text, uh, Romans chapter 12, uh, verses 9 through 21, and I, I'll let you read that if, if you want to, but it's uh, you could probably spend a whole month just on this passage mm-hmm pressing your life up against it and saying, here's, here's how, how I need to be loving other people in a very practical and effective way. And the bottom line to it, I think, says it all in verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And we see so many evil, so much evil coming at us in our world. If we push back with evil, it's just going to be more of the same. Maybe all you need is love. Mm-hmm. Hey, how about that? That kind of works pretty pretty good, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so final comments. I think we this might be the longest podcast we've ever done. Brad, how are we looking on time? Uh, 28 minutes. Oh, shoot. Yeah. Well, I, I, my final comment is that I love how much you've avoided talking about First Corinthians. Corinthians 13. Oh, yeah. That, that's a little bit of your, maybe your oppositional defiance disorder maybe in action. So. <laughs> I, I, I think it comes from doing weddings. Every, I know it does. Everyone oh, expects, yeah. in fact, I've even had people tell me this, like, I expected our wedding, you're going to do First Corinthians 13. So like, well, no, I'm, I don't. I, I will not sing. And I'm not singing when Beneath My Wings either. <laughs> hey, that's a good song. That's, that's... a good Bette Midler song. The Gospel According to Bette Midler. How about that? Oh, yeah. 
Mm. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Dave, yeah. Any, any final comments? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, looking at the Romans passage, I, I think I'd go all the way back to 12, 1 and 2 if you introduce that into your community group and ask the question about what is Paul really wrestling with when, when he asks and challenges them to, to present their bodies as a living sacrifice before God? How does that factor into our identity as Jesus followers? And then what does that mean from that point forward? If, if we've presented ourselves before God, that means that God is going to be living through us. We're allowing God to direct our steps. It means everything else we do is going to be lived out in based on our identity with Jesus. So, so if I were teaching this, I might draw all of it together, because uh, you've asked the question, do you need to work more on your love of God or love of other people? And, and really, the answer for all of us is yes. <laughs> but maybe as a practical point, who in your life do you need to love better? Maybe somebody who... Probably you should start with your spouse if you're married. Um, but, but who can you make it a point to love better? And it's not about conjuring an emotion. It's making a decision to will and to work toward their best interest. Take somebody who's on the edge, too. You go, I really can't stand this person. Mm-hmm. And purposefully love them, right? So, Marissa, you were over here a minute ago Googling Bette Midler. Were you doubting that I knew that no, she No, I was just looking up the lyrics to God is Watching Us. Hey, do you remember that song? Oh, I remember that so song. So I think if we do the gospel according to Bette Midler, it'd have to be like the anti-gospel of God, like yeah. correcting God is Watching Us. Yeah, I think. From, from a distance, you know, he's watching from a distance. No, no, he's he's right up yeah, close yeah. and personal. Yeah. So right. as we're throwing out gospel according to ideas, yeah. I was as we're concluding this morning, I was having coffee with a friend who is on staff at another church this morning, and he threw out, what if we did the gospel according to the Foo? The Foo Fighters? The Foo Fighters, Fighters. <laughs> yeah. Wow, so I don't know enough. I know Dave Grohl, who is yeah. with Nirvana at one point. Yeah, He's a yeah. lead singer, so I don't know. There, is that kind of your era of music, Dave? That would be my era of yeah. music, except I was into the CCM subculture at the time. Whatever so. the poster on the youth group wall said, if you like Foo Fighters, try. Oh, yeah. <laughs> try. If you yeah. like Motley Crue, try. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. I, I was in the middle of all of that, so I miss the Foo Fighters. I do love... The hero song, the, yeah. the classic father song. There's some really, really yeah. good stuff yeah. in the Foo Fighters. If if I were to do one other band, since we're just bantering. By the way, if, you, if you're done listening to <laughs> the podcast, go ahead and turn it off. Turn, turn it roll, turn, please. Turn it <laughs> Everything off. edifying has already been said. But I think uh, you know if well, I'll, I'll say there are probably two more people that I could do the gospel according to, and that everyone would know. One would be Elvis, mm. and the other would be you too. But I'm not a big enough fan of either one of them to to devote. Yeah, you two's been to done that. too, man. Oh yeah, <laughs> been done a lot. Yeah. Yes, where, where the streets where the street has no name. Yeah, yeah. yeah so it's they've Johnny done Cash. it themselves. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Uh, oh. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> I like that. Johnny yep. Cash. Yep. We just threw that out on the fly. Wow. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Let's think. Let's th- let's think and pray about these things. The Man in Black. Right. Michael very, very McDonald. Good. <laughs> Michael McDonald could. How about Michael Jackson? We could do that. No, I mean, it's, it it's, it's a <laughs> no, thing you couldn't. could do. One could. can't do his music. I didn't say we should do it. I said well, we could that's, do it. That's a fair point. Okay, yes. we have degenerated down. We've gone down the rabbit hole. Let's stop. <laughs> hey, enjoy this teaching series. If if you're a church member, invite people. This is an easy ask. Invite them to watch online first. But there's nothing like experiencing live music, great music, and a great message. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and grant you peace now and forever. Amen. 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 Amen.